Have you ever wondered how a single gay man could pursue surrogacy without a ton of money, get married, and have the family of his dreams? Well, this week, Joseph Tito is our guest, and he is going to tell us all about his family building journey. Now, some of his paths were very confusing and very difficult, and he chose paths that maybe not everybody would choose, but he decided he wanted to have a family, and he decided to build a family of his dreams no matter what. And that should inspire you because you can too. You could have the family of your dreams. It may not be easy. It may not be the way that you thought it would happen, but it can happen. So tune in this week and be inspired by Joseph's dreams and by his beautiful family. Welcome to Building Your Family. This is a podcast about surrogacy, donor conception, fertility treatment, and all the ways the modern family is built. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm your host. I'm an author, a researcher, a therapist, and I am passionate about helping people have a better path to parenthood and a greater parenting experience. And today we have a very special guest, Joseph Tito. He is joining us today for the first time to talk about his journey, and he's gone through it all. He's gone through surrogacy experiences and donor conception experiences that will really kind of twist your mind, but it's amazing he is here standing to tell the story about how he built his beautiful family and actually wrote a book about it. He's an influencer and he's a big name on social media. You should take a look at him. He's got all sorts of information, but is a wonderful, wonderful author. And he's written this book about his parenting experience and his journey to have his family. He then married his husband and grew his family, and he's going to talk a little bit about that too and help you understand how it's not just about giving up when things are tough, although we all want to do that. It's also about trying to pursue what's really in your heart because everyone is entitled to have the family of their dreams. So welcome, Joseph. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me on the show. So Joseph, let's talk a little bit about your journey. So um, I, about a year ago, was hosting a group at the um, Men Having Babies Conference in New York City, and I was asked to lead a group of single men, and the anticipation around that was very small. We thought, okay, we're going to go into this small room because we're probably not going to get that many people because there were mostly couples there. So I went into this small room, and by the time the half an hour or 45 minutes ended, the room was standing room only. There were so many single guys wanting to have kids on their own. And so I think it's so fantastic that you are talking about your journey because I think a lot of people feel anxious about doing this, about starting a family on their own. And I know you're married now, but you decided to do this on your own. So maybe we can start at the beginning and talk about that because I think you can ins- inspire so many men who also want to do the same. I mean, that's why kind of I started the dad diaries because um, when I first started looking into surrogacy, there was very, very little information, especially for single men or even gay couples. And so that's why I started the dad diaries. And I mean, when I started, when I, when I first started, I was in a relationship, honestly, like for the, for the people that want to do it on their own, um, It can be done uh, for sure. I don't know if I would have done it if I was on my own. 
uh, hmm. when I first started. I mean, having a baby is a lot of work. I mean, you don't really realize how much work it is until you actually have a baby. I mean, to do it on your own, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you have to take time off work. You have to, you know, the first six months of the baby's life. I mean, for me, it was important that I was there every, every step of the way. I mean, I wanted to have a baby, so I wanted to be there for everything. And so that my career took a toll because I couldn't work. Getting back to my, my story. So I did have a partner um, who, when I decided to have a baby, was kind of there, but kind of wasn't. Mm. So as we progressed in the in the journey, I mean, I went through a lot. I went through five embryo transfers the first time around. And so after the second failed embryo transfer, we broke up. I was vlogging about it. Uh, and then looking back at kind of from when I started to the point when we broke up, I realized I was by myself. Hmm. He really wasn't there and he really didn't want to be there. So that's when I confronted him about it. And I said, okay, so what's going on? Like, this is, you know, you, he wasn't there when I went to, uh, so I had my girls in Kenya. He wasn't there when I went to deposit uh, my semen and he wasn't there for choosing when I, when I chose the, the donors, like he just wasn't there. So that's when I said to myself, no, this is too important for me. I'm not giving up my dream of becoming a father in hopes that who knows, maybe I'll find someone who does want, you know, to have a family. Mm -hmm. And so we broke up and for me, having a baby was too important. So I said, no, I'm, I'm going to continue this. This is something I want. And yeah, I found myself uh, in the middle of it all, a single person at that wow. point. So tell us a little bit about how this started. So you decided, okay, we're going to, I'm going to find a clinic, choose a donor. How did you start that process to choose your clinic and choose your donor in the beginning? I always told myself that by the time I was 35, I'd be a, I'd be a father. I didn't know how or any of that stuff, but well, 35 came and went and I just, I was traveling all over the world. I was making TV shows all over the world. Mm. I was literally, my life was from Dubai to Rome, to back to Canada, to Thailand, to, I was everywhere. So my, like, if you're looking back at my life, like you would never think this person would be a father. Like mm -hmm. then when I was turning 37, I said, okay, it's either now or never. I mean, all the power to men who are 60 and have toddlers, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to be 60 yeah. with a toddler. Um, so I said, okay, it's either now or never. And then that's kind of when I, I started researching. I looked into adoption. At the time, I was living in the Middle East. So uh, adoption is not possible in the Middle East because I was looking at Syria. Like There were so many kids in Syria that needed... I, I didn't know. I just, if I were to move back to Canada, adoption just takes such a long time. I have a cousin cousin of mine, her and her husband went through adoption. It took them five years to, 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 to get a, a child. So I, at the end of the day, I was like, okay, this is not something that by myself being a single man, gay is possible. I didn't see a possibility in it. So then I looked into surrogacy, looking at the prices in the States and in Canada, I was like, again, I was by myself and I was like, wow. Like, and then there was no guarantee. And, and I was just, I looked at these prices and, and I feel bad saying it because 
a baby shouldn't be about money, but <laughs> you got to right, look into yes. that, right? Like yes. to ha- it's not like my, my, my wife was, wakes up one day and says, oh, I'm pregnant. And right, exactly. You know, it's something like to plan. And, and so I kept researching and researching all over the world. And uh, I found this one clinic and they were based in India. And so I looked into that clinic and then I looked into the, the laws in India and they had just passed that one of the intended parents had to be Indian. Like, so they had to have an Indian passport. And so then that was out of the question. But in talking with the coordinator of that agency, they're like, okay, well, we are opening up in Kenya and they were advertising same-sex couples and single male. Uh, so I was like, okay. And then the price point at the time, I was like, okay, this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. It was one price until you got pregnant. It wasn't, wow. you know, in the States and in Canada, it's every time you're doing a, a yes. transfer, you're, you're paying and every time you're buying eggs and this, and there's payments all the time. Where, where was that? It's like, you pay one price until you're pregnant, you're, you're good to go. So I was like, okay, this seems really good. Mm-hmm. I was very scared though, because again, uh, you're sending money halfway across the world, like $20,000 yes. halfway across the world. You hear all these horror stories of like, you know, people getting scammed or what tricked at this. And so I just, I read up and I, I did a lot of research on the clinic. I found the head doctor. I like hunted him down on Facebook. I befriended mm-hmm. him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We started having a conversation on Facebook and then nothing. I, I decided, I said, okay, this is it. This is like my best option right now and let's do it. And that's kind of how I found the clinic and, and went ahead with that clinic. And how did you find your egg donor? So it was all done through the clinic. So the clinic sent me a bunch of profiles uh, when it was time to choose the egg donor. Being Caucasian, they were sending me all these blondes and redheads. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I want dark features. <laughs> I uh-huh. want Italian or air, mm-hmm. like dark features. They said the only dark features we have are Indian. So they sent me a whole bunch of uh, Indian profiles of these beautiful women. I had, I think, Miss India of 2024. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Like, 2004. I'm assuming it's kind of like going to, to a sperm bank where you're getting profiles, like, profile, mm-hmm. and you know you mm-hmm. have their history, their health history, their education, their right. hobbies, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how that's how I chose. Yeah. And then you made embryos, but they were not successful with the first donor, right? Yeah. So we, uh, I chose a donor, and I had chosen her because she actually looked like my ex. <laughs> They oh, could wow. have been brother and sister. Yeah, they could have been brother and sister. So I was like, okay, well, this is kind of like perfect. We went through four transfers and uh, each one unsuccessful, which mm. is brutal, 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 brutal ride to be on. Um, yeah. Well, it, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> um, so then by that time, me and my ex had broken up. And then the clinic contacted me and said, you have to choose another, another donor because it's probably not four times we've done it and maybe it's you're not compatible like they're not compatible and so i chose another donor and twins <laughs> so. wow oh my goodness and it worked on the first try on the first transfer the first try yeah i switched the donors then i got the the first results uh, saying positive and then you got to kind of wait uh, 21 days for the hcg levels or mm-hmm. i think it's Mm-hmm. G levels to, to go up and she came back and they were really high. And then after the first ultrasound, and I found out they were twins. Wow. Now, were you in touch with the surrogate during her pregnancy? 
technically we weren't allowed to be. Uh, mm. And I found out after it's because, you know, then the surrogates ask you for, I mean, whatever they, they want to ask you for. They, they, mm-hmm. The agent tries to not have the intended parents go through. I mean, these are countries where Kenya's a developing country, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a friend of mine who was doing her doctorate in Mombasa. And so I had her go and meet, like meet the surrogate and got oh. her number. So I had the surrogate's number. Nice. Uh, and I would send her recordings of my voice and music to play for the girls. Oh, that's lovely. Because I, that's another thing. I felt so guilty for not being there for the first nine months of their development, right? So mm-hmm. I tried to study stuff and try to make them. And I think it actually worked because the first time I met the surrogate and I touched her belly, like they both started kicking and. Oh, really? Wow. Like I was crying. The surrogate was crying. My mom was crying. My mom came down to Kenya with me. She was crying. The doctor was crying. It was like this this, euphoric moment. Wonderful. Oh, that's so nice. So were you there before she delivered? So yeah, I got there two weeks before she delivered. So that they were supposed to be born December sixth, mm-hmm. and uh, I got there. I left on my birthday. My mom came down with me, and I mean, we had problems in Kenya as well. And so ten days before we were leaving, this the agency called me and said, "Actually, you have to have a woman come with you, and not your mom, but a woman to look like my wife, because uh, they were having issues." Oh my gosh. In case I couldn't bring a friend, uh, they would provide one for me for $10,000. Oh my uh, gosh. It's like rent a wife. Exactly. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so goodness. I was living in the Middle East. So I had my, one of my best friends like from Bahrain to Kenya was a six hour trip. So she was able to come. So that was 10 days before we left. And that was a good, huge surprise. And once the girls were born, we got to the hospital. Like she had to be with me because or else they wouldn't show me the girls. And it was like <gasps> And they they didn't tell you about this when you started your journey that you were gonna No. Like so when we went down, there were four Americans. No, yeah, four Americans. I was Canadian and a guy from Spain, uh, all intended fathers. Uh, and I think we were the the first and last batch to have babies in Kenya. Because of just like the legalities and the homophobia, birth certificate. Yeah, I mean, Mombasa is a is a Muslim country. Like me living, mm-hmm. I was living in yeah. Bahrain, a Muslim country. Like I know all of it, but it was just it was very difficult. Like it's oh and again, gosh. you're in a country where you know some places don't have running water, so you're just kind of like wow, you know, you have a newborn. It's like okay, not the most ideal place. I mean, what I take it back now. No, like I, I don't have no regrets because my girls are absolutely amazing and I couldn't picture my life without them. But yeah, like, I guess that's, that would be an advice I'd give to someone mm. that is starting is, you know, really know the laws of where you're having a baby. And Hi, it's Lisa Schumann. Just popping into your episode to remind you that familybuilding.net is our website and we are the one-stop resource for everything that you need to build and take care of your family. We have videos, we have individual counseling, and we have group counseling. So no matter what you need on your family building journey, we are here for you to support you all along the way. This is a difficult decision to make. These are difficult processes to go through, and we are here to help you not make mistakes and have the best journey possible. So please feel free to reach out to us seven days a week. We are here for you.
So you had to have your friend come down and pretend she was your wife. And Mm -hmm. was that person supposed to come to, that person was supposed to come to the delivery with you? Yeah. So she did. She came the day that the girls were born. She arrived. And even that was like, I was supposed to be there at the hospital when, when the babies were born, when the girls were born. But then at, I think it was like, no, almost one o'clock. I received an email saying, or no, a text message from my coordinator in Spain saying, congratulations, you're a dad. I'm like, what are you talking about? The girls are going to be born at two. Yeah. And she's like, no. And she sent me a picture of the girls. Like what? They just been born. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like you told me two o'clock. I was waiting to get to the, to go to the hospital. <gasps> so like we all hopped in a tuk-tuk and got to the hospital, ran to NICU and. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So they were supposed to call you to tell you when she was delivering and they never did. And so basically it was supposed to be December 6th. Then a couple days before the girls were born, the girls were born November 30th. A couple days before they're like, we're actually changing it to November 30th. So then I got worried. I'm like, what's going on? Why are you like, are they okay? And they're like, no, no, everything's fine. It's just, I don't know why they decided November 30th at two o'clock. So at two o'clock, you know, so by one thirty, come to the hospital, two o'clock, and you'll be there. And and then they were born at Stella was born at twelve forty four, and me at twelve forty five. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh! Wow, they delivered the babies, and you got to the hospital. And then were you able to to have a relationship with the surrogate, or have a connection with her? At or she was very detached. So even when we were, I had to go to to the register office because they wouldn't put my name on the birth certificate, and so she was there with me and like the girls started crying at one point. She was like, she wouldn't even touch them. She just was very removed from the whole mm-hmm. thing. Talking to her, she was she was doing it for the money. Obviously, she needed the money. And with the money, she opened up a shop. And so it, w- it was good for her. Uh, but she was very, very detached. Mm-hmm. So you think she didn't want to get attached? My experience in Kenya, like once we actually were able to leave, thanks to social media, I just wanted it away. Like I didn't want to even think about anything with Kenya. Because it was so, such a difficult experience. Yeah. Yes. I saw that in your bio, there was someone or some people in social media helped you get through the process. Well, every, yeah, my, a lot of my followers, God bless them. We got stuck. So basically um, I was born in Italy. My mom was Canadian. So that made me right when I was born, I was Canadian. Uh, but a second generation Canadian. So my in 2015, the Har- the Harper government changed the law that for a second generation Canadian, unless your children are born in Canada, they don't automatically get citizenship. Hmm. So I knew about this, and I before even I started, like before even the girls were the girl, like were even conceived. I contacted the embassy. I sent. I sent in my passport, I sent in my birth certificate, I sent in my Canadian citizenship. And they're like, no, you're fine. Everything's fine. I'm like, okay. Because like when you're going through surrogacy, you are crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Like you're going through so much paperwork and legalities. And so nothing is is missed. I had email conversations (laughs) with the embassy saying everything's fine. Once your babies are born, it's fine. So then when they were born from Mombasa, I had to take them to Nairobi to do the blood work and to show like parental that I was the father. So I took them for the day to Nairobi, went back to Mombasa. 
then all the paperwork was in uh, and we were waiting. So it was about two weeks. So we had to buy a, a return flight to expedite the, the paperwork. And so everything was good. We got the return flight and everything was fine. All the paperwork went through. It was like two days before our flight and we're in Mombasa and we're like, and our flight was out of Nairobi. So we're, my mom's like, well, what are we going to do? Like, what are we, I'm like, I don't know. They still haven't, I was calling, no answer. No, not, no one was telling me anything. So my mom's like, okay, let's just go to the embassy that night, left the night. So we didn't like my poor mom, like God bless her. We didn't sleep at all. Got to Nairobi, went to the embassy sat at the embassy for four hours before anyone even like we're there with two bait like i'm just people's sometimes like i don't know people i just don't understand people anyways finally they come out and they're like uh oh yeah we're so sorry uh your girls cannot we can't give citizenship to your girls they have to stay here oh my gosh i was like what are you talking about and my mom's like uh we're canadian we pay taxes we like what's going on they're like yeah no like, it's not, you have to sponsor your, your children. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, what, how long does that take? Uh, they're, they're like, oh, you know, from eight months to a year. So I was like, so what am I supposed to do for eight months to a year? They're like, well, you can go back to Canada, but the, the, the babies have to stay here. Oh my gosh. So we go back, get by. And then that's when I went on social media and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, they won't let me come back. And then my followers were amazing. They like bombarded, like I had MPs calling me and it went viral. Like I had all the news outlets, like, I don't know if you know Toronto at all, but there's like Dundas Square where there's like these, it's like kind of like New York, like Times Mm -hmm. Square, like Mm -hmm. there's all these, I was like, my friends were sending me pictures of like, what's going on? You're on these like big screens. And and my followers just bombarded the embassy with emails and, and just saying this is not right let them go home like and finally the embassy contacted me and was like take a temporary travel document and get out of the country <laughs> i'm like done get me out of here fine i'll take whatever and in fact the, the the girls were stateless the girls were stateless for the first year of their life wow so we, we, at least we got we were able to come home I mean, once I was home, I didn't care. I didn't need to travel with them for a year. Like, it's not that I needed their passports or anything. Yeah. And they finally got their permanent residency. And then I had to apply for their citizenship. And I think they were two and a half when they got their Canadian citizenship. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I guess all of this could could have been avoided if surrogacy was affordable. Well, yeah. Like, obviously, like, I don't think anyone would... I would want to be close to the surrogate. I would want to be there. I would want to go to the ultrasounds. I would want like, again, when you're deciding surrogacy, when you, you want to be there, you want this baby, you want to be there for every step. What you had to go through. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. So do you now have any like contact or can you have any contact with the surrogate or the donor? Are you allowed to? Uh, the donor, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. I don't even think the donor knows. The donor just donates eggs, right? Like they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, the surrogate, I mean, I have her number, but I, I've i never. It's a whole different system. And also just the way she was, right? Like she wasn't, it wasn't like, which I kind of sadly to say preferred that she was mm-hmm. kind of like distant mm-hmm. from the girls. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Also because, I mean, then the surrogate, like then we had to go to court and the surrogate had to release her, her parental rights because, I mean, as you know, like the surrogate 
is considered would be the, the legal mother, parent, even though, mm-hmm. even though it's not her DNA, but she's still yeah. the mother. Right. Oh and my and gosh. another thing why also, I mean, I don't know if it's changed in the States now. I don't think so, though. I was very scared to do surrogacy in Canada and the States because, again, the surrogate has all the power. So if she decides to keep the child, she keeps the child <laughs> and you're paying child support. Uh, I had a friend in New York, actually, they were three years in court battles because the surrogate didn't want to, wanted to keep the baby. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, that's a horrible story. I can tell you I've been a therapist in this industry for a long time, for decades, and I've never seen that happen. So hopefully nobody out there has had that experience besides this person that's terrible. But certainly if surrogacy rules were different and if it was a more affordable process for everyone, I think nobody would have to go through all of these things. No. But now you have your beautiful girls and things are, are great. And then you met your husband. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we actually met actually we met before the girls were born. I was this was after I broke up with my ex and then I was in Canada. I was between the Middle East and Canada kind of closing up shop in the Middle East and trying to figure out my life in Canada and that's where I met my husband and we started we dated. We had a couple dates and I mean, here's this guy who's half in the Middle East, half in Toronto coming back to Toronto with two babies. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, uh, it's, a it's a bit much for me right now. <laughs> so he kind of like shied away. And then, yeah, the girls were two and a half and I got a, I got a text message and I was like, what do you want now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing. We went on the date again and I was kind of, again, very feet on the ground and not expecting much. And he showed me that he really, really wants to be here and, wants a family and loves the girls. And I mean, it helps. We're also, we're both Italian. Our parents are from like the same town and mm-hmm. our traditions are the same. And it's all about family. And we're always either at his mom's house, at his parents' house for, for Sunday or my parents or oh, nice. again, we're just very similar. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I nice. think that's very important too. When I, especially when you're raising a babe, uh, when you're raising a child, like it's important to have, you know, similar similar values. Yeah, similar values and similar ways of raising your children, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, "Okay, I'm going to take the whole kit and caboodle. I'm ready to sign up and be a dad and be a husband and all of that and give up the single life. It's a a lot all of a sudden, but he decided to go for the ride with you. And so you guys have been married for how long now? We got married in July, so. We've been together oh. for two and a half years, but we, we got married in July. We got married more for legality reasons, mm-hmm. for the, the process that we were, we were going through at the time. Uh, it would just would have been easier, again, given that I'm second-generation Canadian. I didn't want that to happen again. So in order for both of our names to be on the birth certificate, you had to it be would married. have been easier if we were married, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to protect yourself anyway, right? I mean, the world is not always so kind. It's better to have that, you know, merit piece of paper saying you're both committed to each other and to the kids, which is great. But I think the other thing, and I think it's important for for people to think about is that things can happen this way, right? You can start out as a single parent. It doesn't mean that just because you're going to be a single parent, you're going to be a single parent forever. People think, well, I have to find a partner first and then have the kids and then mm. 
that's we'll raise the kids together. But even as a single dad, you might have felt like, wow, this is going to be hard to find a partner. When I'm a single dad with twins, it's a lot. I'm going to say it was definitely, definitely like dating with babies and kid. Like it was like, no, like, I mean, your life is completely different. Like, yeah, it's consuming. Yeah, like, why well, you want to meet at eight o'clock at night? Nah, right. no, no. <laughs> and then, like, all the meetings and all the dates had to be close to home because just right. in case, you know, and During I had nap my, time. I had my parents, thank God. Uh, my parents were like amazing and. I moved into my parents' house. I built a, a basement apartment in my parents' house because I was like, there's no way. I mean, I had a loft in the city. So I'm like, at first I was like, okay, it's okay if I have a baby until the baby learns to crawl or walk. I have some time, you know, I could stay in the loft. And But then with twins, I was like, where am I going? Like, you need a village. Yes. And so I moved into my parents, and which was amazing. Wow. That's so nice. It's nice that you had them. But I think it's also very inspiring for people to know that just because you have a child by yourself doesn't, or children doesn't mean that you can't find a partner and that that partner won't completely embrace your life and be so happy to co-parent with you and be the right person for you. So that's really lovely. And then you guys decided, well, maybe we want to do this again. So you started thinking about that, right? So yeah, so he wasn't around for the baby, baby stage. Um, so he was like, oh, well, you know, like everyone I think needs to experience that stage mm-hmm. uh, to truly understand what being a parent means. Yes. And it was just something like, you know, it would have been something that was, I mean, not that the girls are not his, like they're totally his now. And, you know, he wanted to have that experience as well. And I was like, yes, like I was, I was excited. The thought of having one baby, I was very excited about. So we started the process again. Then I had a friend who had just had a baby uh, and he used, so it's an American agency, but out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. First I contacted my, where I had, when, when, where I had the girls and to see if I had any embryos left and it would have just been a lot easier, the process. And I didn't. And so we then started again with this agency. Mm. I don't know how much you want me to say <laughs> because it's like giving hope and then <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think I think, you know, right now you're you're kind of stuck at a crossroads where you're thinking it's not working out and things are not working out the way that you wanted them to and do I invest all this time and money and energy to keep going forward which is what you did the first time but now that you already have the girls you're thinking, do I really want to continue when things are not working out so well? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. So, I mean, we we started last year. It was February of last year that we went to Mexico to deposit. And I have to say, though, doing it with a, with, with a partner is so much more fulfilling and, mm. and just, yeah. I mean, the little things of, like, I mean, even when you go to deposit, it seems like like nothing, but it's such an important step. And like yeah. when you're yeah. by yourself, it's just like you come back to the hotel room and you're kind of like, okay, um, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you just have no one to wear. As when you're doing it with someone else, it's just anyway. So we went in February and we had four donors, four oh different my donors. Gosh, 
Oh my and gosh. With this agency each time we had to pay for the donors. So it was I think it was fifteen thousand dollars each time and that include that got you well, depends if you wanted fresh eggs or frozen eggs. Uh, depends if they were a VIP donor or, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, everything's pretty much a la carte, which is brutal to say when you're thinking about yeah. um, starting Your a life. Your family, yeah. But that's kind of what it is. And then it's like, do you want embryo glue? And do you want this? And then that's added and that's added. And then again, you're spending that money. You want the best, right? You want everything possible to mm-hmm. for it to work. So the last failed attempt was December, December 28th, we found out uh, that it wasn't successful. And going through it, I mean, it's still, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Like having a miscarriage is brutal. Every time you lose an embryo, it feels like, you know, a piece of you dies and, you know, going through it. And then you're like, okay, the next time is going to work. And then you go and you they 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 get the eggs and then they implant they they fertilize the eggs then you have to wait to find out how many embryos and then you genetically test them and then which are good embryos which are bad embryos so out of like 12 eggs you're getting like nine embryos out of those mm-hmm. nine embryos by the time you go to genetic testing only four make it out of those four you have two that are good yeah and then they implant and then you wait 21 days and then is she pregnant? And then you find out she's pregnant. Then you wait for the second, the beta test and she's not pregnant. And you're like, you know, so it's just this roller coaster of constant Such a roller coaster. Ups and downs and ups and downs. And you're excited and you're like, okay, tomorrow she's, you know, she's, she's doing the ultrasound tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow. Things are going to be, things are good. Things are great. You know, boom, down again. And so- mm. So sorry. Now we're just it's at terrible. that point where, and again, with this, this time around, it wasn't the agency I chose before, whereas you pay once and you, you get a child, this agency, I, you got to pay each time. Right. Yeah. Which is true for most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which now, you know, we were well over $250,000 into it and it's like, do we keep spending money? Uh, and again, it's not so much about the money as it is about well, it is about the money because I mean, two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, it's not easy to make. Like, no, it's you know, true. We work our ass off to, to yeah. you know, to try to have a good life and to try to. Again, it's not just about the money; it's about the, the, this this roller coaster. Yeah, like, it's an emotional roller coaster. It yeah. really is. And do you really want to do that? And you know, as time proceeds, your girls are getting older, and now you're they're probably a lot more independent. And then you're going to kind of start over. So it's well, I was I was excited because I thought the I think the girls would have helped out, um, oh, <laughs> and they were like cute. so excited, and you know mm-hmm. that they're they're always and obviously they don't know the process or they're always like, oh, when's the baby coming? When's the baby coming? And then. Once we were pregnant, we we were the surrogate got pregnant once, and she had a miscarriage after about two months. But like in that time, the girls were like, you know, and then you're think you start thinking about okay, you know, the guest room we're going to turn it into the nursery, and like we got to get rid of the furniture, and so they hear us mm-hmm. talk. We're all excited, and yeah, um, and me, I wanted a, a sister, and Stella wanted a brother, and mm-hmm. it actually would have been a brother, oh. and but yeah. And it's whatever. so hard. Yeah. Right. 
So now you guys have to decide what are we going to do? Are we going to just keep moving forward or we're going to try again? I mean, luckily for us, we have two beautiful children and like we have a great life. So it's not like we don't have children. Like I know if I didn't have children, I wouldn't have cared and I would have made it happen like I did uh, with the girls. Um, That's one thing. If it's something you really want, just don't give up because it'll come. You know, you just, you just have to be patient and things, I mean, things work out the way they work out for a reason. If I didn't go through the, 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 the four failed embryo transfers, I wouldn't have me and Stella, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. me and Stella right. now, right? Or I would have had, you know, a donor that would have reminded me of a relationship that didn't work out. Well, that's very inspiring, Joseph. I think that that's so important because I know that there was something that in your blog where I guess maybe it was your comments or somebody else's comment where it said, you know, sometimes it makes you feel like God doesn't want you to have kids. And that's, you know, it feels like that, but it's so interesting because people feel that this way, but they would never think that about getting the flu shot or getting braces on their teeth or doing other things that, you know, you think, well, if God wants me to have crooked teeth or God wants me to get the flu. No, we do something about our lives when we want to have a better quality of life, just like you pursue parenthood if you want to. And I think everyone deserves to have the family that they want to have. And I think it's so fantastic that you continue to pursue your dreams in spite of all of these hurdles. It's exhausting and stressful and expensive. And hopefully one day we will have different laws or different insurance packages where people, everyone can have a family. It's, you know, very discriminatory, unfortunately, still, but you still, in spite of it all, pursued it and you have this, you know, beautiful family. And then you wrote a book. I did. Well, that's that's this book. It's a uh-huh. children's book uh, about surrogacy. So I called it the Twin Diaries. So I'm the Dad Diaries, and mm-hmm. this is uh, the Twin Diaries. The twin. So it's a story told for children. Uh, so it's the girls telling the story of kind of how they came to be. Oh, it's cute. And then yes, and then I I'm well. It's it's with the editor now, which that's another thing in itself. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, from Jet Center to the Fatherhood, which is kind of a memoir on uh, how the girls came to be, but for adults. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful because I think so many people can really use this information and use the support and know that they're not alone in pursuing building their family the way that they want to build their family. That's really fantastic. Like I said in the beginning, that's that's kind of why I started the Dad Diaries because when I was doing it, the, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything that, I mean, that related to me or, or like, and now it's like, you know, I get, I get emails all the time from people that are just asking questions. I might not know the answers, but just knowing that there is someone there that has gone through it. Like when you have to send $20,000 across the country, like people are like, are you sure? Like this agency Mm -hmm. is like, I I mean, well, I, am I sure I have two girls? Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know your experience. This is my experience, but just being there for someone to talk to. Um, again, I don't know. I know some people are asking me about surrogacy in Thailand or surrogacy here or surrogacy there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's just people need to talk. People need to to talk to people that have gone through it to know that, the, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like it's going to work out. It's just be patient and you'll get there. Yeah. And keep at it. 
and you'll have the children and the partner and have the life that you want. You're also an influencer on social media and you write a blog. Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, I have a blog. Yeah. It started with the blog. The dad diary started as a blog. And then I had a girlfriend of mine who was, she was big on, on Instagram. There's a lot of mom bloggers on Instagram. Hmm. And she's like, oh, why don't you start an Instagram account? And kind of, so I, I had started the Instagram account to kind of promote my blog, right? So to put snippets of my blog up there. And then like, it just started resonating with people. Um, I'm really honest and straightforward. Like I don't beat around the bush. I say it as it is. (laughs) I mean, I think that's the most important thing um, for anyone that wants this as a career. It's like, just be as authentic as possible. And then it just kind of took off, like having people come with me on the journey to Kenya and then being stuck in Kenya and then being in Kenya that grew, the dad diaries grew to the point of like, then when I came back, I, it was just my outlet to basically complain about parenting, <laughs> talk about how yeah. hard parenting was yes, uh, and just again, people, people resonated with it. Right. People, mm-hmm. they saw themselves in me. And I mean, a lot of my followers are women and I think it's because they're like, Oh, he's a man, so he doesn't really know how to take care of kids. Let's tell him. Um, so I get a lot of unsolicited advice, which I love. Uh, uh-huh. But and then, then that's yeah, that's kind of you know the dad diaries took off from there, and it's now it's become a parenting and lifestyle brand. So I work with a lot of brands that uh, again I resonate with and I and I use and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then it just took off from there, and then. My, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a lot of work, but knock on wood that uh, I am getting work and it's going well. And and yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. It just kind of just sort of happened from a blog to Instagram and and then being I was my my background is in film and television. I was director oh. and producer, and uh, that's what I was doing in the Middle East, making TV shows for Netflix and. So my background is editing and video and pictures. And so it just kind of like fit into content creation, right? So. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful website. Thank you. Yeah. It's very, very beautiful to look at. I could stare at it all day. It's so nice to see all the pictures (laughs) of your family and it's great. Well, that's wonderful. And, and I, you know, what a nice story, Joseph. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I think that, you know, for anyone out there who's worried, who's had disappointments, who feels like, what am I going to do? Is someone going to fall in love with me with two kids? Should I do this by myself? Or, you know, things are not working out. How am I going to find a way? I think Joseph is such a great resource. So I encourage you to reach out to him. And where can people find you, Joseph? On my website, which is thedaddiaries.com, or on Instagram at thedaddiaries.ca. Okay. And so you just communicate with your followers there? I really respond to every comment. I make it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's a lot. But that's, I mean, that's why I get the comments that I do. And that's why my engagement is so high. Because, I mean, for me, if someone's spending the time to write me a comment, on something I've written or something I say, or they deserve that respect back. Right. So, Mm, so nice. That, that has always been something extremely important to me. And I try, like sometimes Instagram does this weird thing where like you answer the, the, your DMS and then you scroll and you say, okay, 
unanswered DMs and it gives you DMs from weeks and weeks ago oh, that wow. I didn't answer. Yeah, just because I'm, I mean, my DMs are, and they come and they go and then you you might oh miss Oh my them. goodness. And it's, yeah, and then like this job is 24 hours, right? You're always on and you always have to be, it's not an easy job. You've got to be... Mm-hmm. You got to be happy, but not too happy. You, you got to right. also be sad, but not too sad. You got to be mm-hmm. a perfect life, but you also have to show the mess. It's got like this balance of like. What people want to see. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I think you you show us all of that and in such a beautiful way, Joseph. I mean, the aesthetic is beautiful on your website, but your story is really what's most beautiful because you really, you know, have such a big heart. Obviously, you really wanted to make sure that your family worked out well and you've done such a great job and been th- so thoughtful. So it's so nice to hear your story and, um, you know, hopefully we'll stay in touch. I will certainly follow you on Instagram and I hope everybody out there does as well. And for all of you who are listening, please reach out to Joseph and you can reach out to me on familybuilding.net if you have any questions and certainly social media. And most of all, please subscribe and comment because that's how we keep going. So thanks so much for coming. We really appreciate your time. And I hope that you come back for our next episode. Hi, it's Lisa Schumann, just popping in quickly to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please rate, review and subscribe because that's how we keep going and come back for more.